0: So glad you're here tonight with us. Go ahead and take a seat. Make sure you're sitting at at a table with some other people because we're going to have some discussion tonight. And I'd like to start off the evening with um, the first discussion question. And so hopefully it'll come up on the screen. We have an awesome tech crew up there. And um, so here's the first question. Why don't you take a few minutes at your table and um, discuss this? How has your relationship with Jesus changed you or given you purpose or direction? So go ahead and talk to the people at your table. Either how has it changed you or how has it given you purpose or direction, your relationship? Take a couple minutes. Give everybody a chance to share if you can. Okay, um, we're going to go, we're going to enter into the Word of God now, and so the first thing I want to do is I want to tell you the name of this message. I titled it, um, A City Impacted by the Gospel. The harvest is now. So that's the title of this message, and I just want to take some time. We've been studying through the book of John, which is, is definitely one of my favorite books, and it's... It's a privilege and it's an honor to be able to preach his word. And we're going to start at, um, we're going to start at verse 30, verse 30, or 31, sorry, 31. So John chapter 4 and verse 31, it says, In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food Of which to eat you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anybody brought him something to eat? Jesus said to to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And we're going to stop right there for now. And Lord, I just thank you so much for your living powerful word. And I pray that your word would enter and penetrate in our hearts. I pray that your word would be like a seed and that it would produce a harvest in us. I thank you for everything you've done in our lives up to this point, And I pray that your people would continue to flourish and to grow and that there would be a great harvest, not only in their own lives, but around them because of their lives. And I pray all these things in the name, above every name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I just want to tell you tonight that um, it's, really, it's really kind of funny how this all worked out. Jeremy, you know, kind of just assigned us what part we were going to speak. And, it, and it's interesting because this particular story has a special meaning to me um, on a couple of different levels. And so I kind of want to tell you A story that happened in 2007. 2007, I was living down in Mexico. And our worship leader, Jeff Foss, and my brother, Jeff Rodriguez, they came down with a team to Mexico. Foss brought the band, and my brother kind of led the whole team. And I was down there, and um, I was, you know, working down there in Mexico. And they said, hey, let's do a little tour, you know. And so we went into these different communities down there in Mexico, little, little towns. Um, in the middle of nowhere, and um, and and it was really funny because at, in that at, it, right before they came down, like that spring, God started drawing my attention to the story of the Samaritan woman. Every time I turned around, it was in my devotional. Every time I went to a women's conference and heard of where, it was like it was it was like God was like trying to get my attention here. And my good friend Yolanda down there was kind of teasing me. She's like, you're the Samaritan woman of the 21st century. So I think, you know, there is a little bit of parallel going on here. But anyway, so this particular story is very near and dear to my heart. And um, so what I wanted to share with you is that when I began to study her life, I realized that we had a lot of things in common. And, And I was thinking about this as I was preparing the message. I was thinking, you know, Jesus... Spent a lot of time talking to her. Like they have an extensive conversation. You don't see too many long conversations recorded in the scripture. There's a lot of teaching and he talks to his disciples. But he's talking to this woman for a long time. And they they cover a lot of different topics. But I just love, I just love the way that Jesus shows up right into someone's situation. I think it's very significant that this chapter begins by saying that he needed to go to Samaria. And and I can believe that it sort of happened like this. He woke up very early that morning and he said, Father God, what do you want to do today? Who is on your heart? What is on your agenda? And he said, I want you to go to Samaria. In fact, I want you to go to Sikar. And I want you to go to the well, the one that, that was Jacob's well, because I have a divine appointment for you in that place. And so Jesus shows up on the scene, and, and, and he meets this woman right where she's at. And, she, and he speaks to her, and she's there to get water. But the, things that, the thing that's amazing is that, is that she's thirsty, and that she's broken, and that she's a woman, and that she's a, Sumerian, a Samaritan, and all of these things are contrary. Uh, Jesus shouldn't be doing what he's doing but I'll get to that later. I love the way he he, he offers her living water, and he says, you are thirsty, woman, and I, only I will quench your thirst. And then then he exposes her, and he says, hey, you know, go get your husband, and then I'll give you the water. And she's like, what husband? I don't have a husband. And he's like, that's right, because you had five, and the one you're with right now, he's not even your husband. And she's like, ouch. And then she changes the subject like any woman would. Because, yeah, let's not talk about this. Like, let's, what about worship, Jesus? And so then he goes into this really cool dialogue about what true worship is. And she's like, so should we worship in Samaria? Or, or should we worship in Jerusalem? And Jesus is like, No, you're missing the whole point. It isn't about Samaria and it isn't about Jerusalem because the Father is looking for true worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth, who will worship God with all of their heart, motivated by the spirit of God and worshiping in truth. That's what Jesus is looking for. That's real worship, ma'am. And then he moves on. He moves on, and, and, and he tells her, and this is, this is the most amazing thing. She's like, well, I don't know. I don't really understand what you're talking about, but I know this. When the Messiah comes, he's going to make everything clear. He's going to explain it so we can understand it. And he's, got, he's like, guess what? I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I'm talking to you right now. She's like, you're kidding me. And then she drops her water jar, and she, she hightails it for the town. And she, like, can't believe it. And she runs off to go tell the entire city that the Messiah is in their midst. And that's where we're going to pick up tonight's reading. Okay, so she's off telling the whole city that she just found the Messiah. And and at this moment, the the disciples show up because they had gone on a food run to another village. And they show up with this food, and they're like, Jesus... You need to eat some bread. You you haven't eaten all day, you know. Here, here, we bought you, you know, we brought you some bread. And he's like, he's like, I have some food to eat that you guys don't know anything about. What sustains me, what fills me, what satisfies me, what motivates me is doing the will of my father. And they're like, wait, did someone give him something to eat earlier? They're all confused. They don't know what he's talking about. But see, we need to understand something. We need to understand that for the first time in human history, there is a man who is going to be completely submitted to the will of God. He's going to do exactly what God tells him to do. He's going to obey 100%. In the Garden of Eden, Adam did not obey. He blew it, and we're all suffering the consequences for it, aren't we? And even the men of God that God chose... Back in the day, in fact, I have a scripture that's from, that's from, uh, it's from Acts. I'll, I'm just going to read it to you. It's Acts 13, 22, and, and this is what God says. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. God desires men and women who would, who would be willing to lay down their lives to do his will. And he was very satisfied with David because David was a man after his heart. He was a man who sought the will of God, but he wasn't a perfect man. And he definitely failed, as did Abraham and most of the men that God used in scriptures. But now Jesus is on the scene, and his food, what he lives for is to do the will of his father. And he is going to do God's will from the first breath that he takes as a child until he goes to the cross. Because he is completely surrendered and submitted to the will of God. And I propose to you tonight that it would be a good idea that we begin to submit our lives and our wills over to God. Because I'm telling you, when we live that kind of surrendered life, God can do great things. Amen? And I'm gonna I'm gonna move on, um, I'm gonna me- move on into John chapter four. We're gonna we're gonna look at verse thirty five, and we're gonna go through thirty eight. I'm one of those weird people who has to take my glasses off to read. It says, "Do not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields." For they are already white for harvest, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, saying, for in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. So now Jesus goes into another topic. Now he's talking about the harvest. And this is what you need to understand. Jesus knows that what he spoke to that Samaritan woman has set off a chain reaction because she's over in the town and she's sharing her testimony. And he knows that the whole town, well maybe not the whole town, but a lot of the town is going to show up on the scene. And so Jesus is letting his disciples know, here comes the harvest, boys. They're going to show up right now. Watch what's going to happen. Jesus is, is letting them know the harvest is now. Because this is, an agricult- this is a, 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 a culture that's very much in tune with agriculture, right? And, and, and when people live in an agricultural society, they're in tune with harvest. And they know the different seasons. And Jesus is like, hey, don't say four months and then the harvest. I'm telling you right now, it's the harvest. The fields are, with, are white with harvest. And I'm going to tell you guys today, this city, Camarillo, is white for harvest, in fact, in fact, Jesus in another gospel, he says to you, he says to his disciples, he says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out his workers. And that is my that is the core of my message tonight. I want to light a fire in your hearts that you would be willing, like this woman, this Samaritan woman that was lost and broken and thirsty. But when she tasted the living water, when she had a revelation of the Messiah, it set her life on fire, and she went and told the whole city that, that Jesus was in town. And, 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 she, and everything changed that day. Everything changed that day in that city. And, and really, I believe that we are living in a season where the harvest is now, where God wants to bring great harvest to cities all over this nation, to cities all over this earth. And I'm going to tell you something. God, in many ways, and in in, in a lot of different ways, he began to put it on my heart that I was going to see, that I was going to see entire cities transformed by the love of God, that I was going to see entire cities changed Because of God's grace and his power. Because God was going to show up. And when God shows up, things happen. Things change. Right? And so I believe that we are living in a time of great harvest. But here's the thing. I think it's very significant that Billy Graham just died. And if you watch the story of his life... That man, that man had a significant impact on this world. He preached the gospel to billions of people. And many, many souls came into the kingdom as a result of his surrendered life and his prayers and his willingness to go anywhere and everywhere to preach the gospel. He had one desire, to preach the gospel and to see souls come into the kingdom. He was consumed with a passion for lost souls. But I believe that what God wants to do now is even greater than having one man fill stadiums. I believe that God wants to have an entire church that will take the gospel into their work and into their schools and into their families and into their community. And they will love people one person at a time. And he wants to do it here. And he wants to do it all over this nation. If you want to see this nation turn around, I'm telling you, the gospel has power to change a man. The gospel has power to change a family. I've seen it in my own family. The gospel has a power to change an entire city. As a matter of fact, while we were worshiping, I began to think about another situation where an entire city showed up to hear the word of God. And if you look at Acts in chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. It's the same city. This is probably a small town, but it's it's Samaria again. So Jesus showed up. He planted some seed in Sychar. But now Philip the evangelist, he goes to Samaria and starts preaching the gospel. And it says that that city was filled with great joy. That God did all kinds of miraculous things in that city. And the entire city showed up to hear the word of God. God loves cities. God wants to change cities and nations. And I believe that we are the instrument that he wants to use to bring about change. You have an area of influence. You have a sphere of influence where you can change. And, And I believe that's what God is wanting us to do. If we just just reach one person with the gospel, that is so powerful. That one person can make a difference in a bunch of different people's lives. And so I just wanted to share that with you about the harvest. And let's talk about our second question tonight. What is the harvest field God is calling you to labor in? Why don't you spend a few moments, think about it. What, wh- where is God wanting to send you to harvest? So um, let's go ahead and finish this up. I, I, I loved what Judy shared tonight. And I actually wrote a similar v- verse. You know, when the harvest happens... You know, I was living in a, in a town just like Oxnard where there's tons of strawberries. And I'm going to tell you what, during strawberry season, it is a party in Vicente Guerrero. Because people are making money like they don't make the rest of the year. People were giving me free strawberries all the time. We had this little market that's called the Globos, and everybody's spending money like crazy. Like it's a celebration when harvest is in, t- in town, right? And, and I love what Judy shared, and, and I have a same verse. I think the Spirit is speaking something here, but it says Jesus was talking, and he says, um, He says that there is joy. It says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When there is a harvest, When someone is transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the son of his love, there's a party in heaven, and there should be a party on earth. I'll tell you what, there's nothing, there's nothing worth giving your life for than to see people's souls saved, to see people's lives changed for eternity. And I believe God is wanting to move our hearts, that we would see the lost with the same passion that he sees them. And we would understand the significance of one person, one little girl inviting Jesus into her heart. One young teenage boy, one young man in the back there. Jesus, when Jesus shows up, lives get changed. Eternal destinies get changed. And, and honestly, I was even thinking about it. I'm like, you know, in Mexico... I was much more focused on ministry. I was much more focused on sharing with people. I was much more just like, like and, and I, you know what? Here in Camarillo, I'm not as comfortable. I don't go to the grocery store and, and, and share with the tellers. And, 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 I, and I, I'm not super like outgoing or like, you know, and I'm like, man, I, I need to change that. That needs to change. I, I need to have that same love that I had in Mexico for the lost, you know. And so that's something that God put on my heart. But I want to finish up this chapter, not this chapter, but this section. So we're going to read verses 39 to 42. And this is what it says. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now this this is the last part of the message that I'm going to share with you tonight. But I'm going to tell you something. There is power in a testimony. Did you hear what I said? There is power in a testimony. You testify what God did in your life, and there is power in that. And you got to understand that this woman, because she went and testified, the whole city was turned upside down, and they all came running to see Jesus and hear him, and then they invited him to stay for two more days in their city, and then he began to speak to them. But they said, hey, now we don't just believe because of your testimony. Now we've heard from him firsthand. But I'm telling you, there is power in a testimony. And when you begin to share your testimony with people, it's like, it's like the word of God in 3D. Because the word of God is filled with testimonies of men and women who encountered God at a specific time. Because God wanted to do something on the earth and he spoke and he sent and he did something in their lives and then they went out and shared the things that he said to them. And I'm telling you there is power in your testimony and I want to encourage you to take some time if you haven't done it I want to encourage you to think about your testimony Maybe even spend a few minutes writing out your testimony. Maybe you don't tell your whole testimony. Um, some of us are older. Like, I've been a Christian since 1983, so my testimony is too long. But I have little pieces of my testimony that I share in certain situations. I, I share my salvation testimony when I, when I meet a young person that I, that I, that I feel like they, they need to hear how God can, can change a heart. I share how God healed me from depression in Mexico when I meet a person who's suffering from depression. I share different pieces of my testimony depending on the need or the situation. But I'm going to tell you, there's power in your testimony. So begin to think about your testimony. Write it down and think about the willingness of going out and even sharing your testimony. There is power in it. There is power in sharing your testimony. And so the thing that I love about this, I'll just sum it up like this. Jesus shows up and he crosses social barriers. A man, a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. She was even like, why, why are you a Jew talking to me, a woman? He crossed the social barriers. He didn't care. He had a purpose that day in his mind. He knew what was going to happen in that city as a result of his conversation with this woman. He crossed racial barriers. Who cares if I'm a Jew and you're a Samaritan? It ain't about that. He came right into her situation, right into her brokenness, and he gave her living water. And when she drank that living water, Things changed in her life. And when when she had a revelation of who he really was that was in her in their midst, she ran to the city. One broken woman with an encounter with Jesus Christ preached and was an evangelist, and an entire city got turned inside out and upside down because she shared her testimony. Because she said, hey, they all knew her testimony. I'm sure she was a woman with a reputation, five husbands, and now she's living in sin. They all knew her testimony, but she's like, this guy, he's a stranger. Everybody knew that he had never come to the town. But when Jesus shows up into the situations, things happen, things change. And because she was so excited and she went and shared with that entire city, everything changed that day in that city. So I wanna encourage you tonight. I wanna encourage you to think about your testimony and I wanna encourage you to be willing to share your testimony because there's power in your testimony. And so I have one more question for you to discuss tonight and I'm gonna ask you this question. How has your testimony impacted people's lives? Have you shared your testimony? So take a few minutes and discuss that, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I do. Um, I share my testimony, but um, in certain cases, if I'm dealing with someone who's like a really hardcore drug addict or a mom of someone whose child is a really hardcore drug addict, I share my brother's testimony because it's powerful, and and, it, and it's been effective. And um. And and I, I was really touched, you know, a, a, a while back. I happened to be on Facebook, and and this guy, he friend requested me, and I never saw the message until years later. But he he's like, hey if you remember me but my name is David and we used to work together like back in 1986 and I just want to tell you that the way you lived and the way you shared your testimony um, you know it, it didn't maybe you didn't see the fruit of it back then but I'm going to tell you now that I became a Christian and I just wanted to tell you how much it meant to me that you shared your faith with me back in the day and that super blessed me because it's just like Jim said, you're just sowing seeds. Sometimes you're just you're just you're just sharing with people and you don't know. You don't know, it might take a while before that person becomes a believer. But I was so blessed by that. And 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 so be bold and share. And let's just take a little bit of time. As we're going into the into this season, let's just believe God for a harvest. Let's believe God for a harvest. As we, as we move into celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so, Father, I just thank you tonight. I thank you that one woman boldly shared her testimony and it impacted an entire city. And I pray that we would be like her. I pray that we would, be, we would share our faith, we would share our testimony, and we would see results, we would see lives changed, God. And I cry out to you, and as your, as your word goes forth, In this season, as we celebrate the death and resurrection, give people a a revelation of who you are. And, Father, I pray that you would bring many to salvation in this season. And I'm asking you for lives to be transformed. Father, we're asking you all over this county, as we celebrate this season, that many people would have an irresistible desire to come to church and hear your word. And that many people would make first-time commitments. I pray that we would begin to see families changed in this community. I pray, Father, that you would move mightily in our midst. We love you and we praise you and we worship you. And we thank you for Jesus who ate the food of doing his Father's will. And I pray that we would be people that would live to do the Father's will. I pray that the living water would flow through us and it would give a drink to every thirsty life that's around us. And I just pray, Father, for the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon your people to go out and to preach the gospel and to bring in the harvest. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.